Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, changed our voices so that we can stay employed because our Gone underground, bosses would never allow us to bring you our unfiltered, candid, unvarnished, what else? Unblemished. Unblemished. Unblemished? Unpracticed. Uh, views, views on stocks every week when we get together and look for ideas in that week's value line investment survey. But before we get to this week's uh, stocks, great ideas, all of them, I'm sure. We want to remind what everybody else? that this is for entertainment purposes only. And we may own all the stocks that we're talking about or only a few of them. We might make you guess or we may have other. Uh, we may not be telling the truth at all the time. That's right. What our lawyers say to I, say. We have to tell I you that. I secretly do tell the uh, truth. We may have other conflicts of interest. So uh, basically just assume the worst. And uh, uh, behind every idea is the simple fact that we may not have any idea what we're talking about. Uh, I know less than usual this week. Or because our judgment's been impaired in some other way. Uh, to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.thevalueguys.com. Yeah. Are you looking for something? No. Are in the you? second half of the I'm... show, I'm going to be back with, you know, frankly, the high-quality end of the show. Uh -huh. But first, I'm going to turn it over to the everyman's analyst, Val Hughes. Thank you. Very much, Vern, for that very nice and thoughtful introduction. Stirring, I thought. Um, I just want to warn the listeners, I'm very sleepy this week. Trying to get a little energy here for the show. I had uh, some chocolate. I think that's when we get some and, of your best uh, ideas. <clears throat> I have had some adult beverages. Maybe not enough? I don't know. I've had, we're, we're a little time impaired this week. Uh, but... You know, the market keeps marching forward. I think that the thesis that the abyss is behind us is working its way through. Earnings are coming through okay. and uh, The you numbers know, may be terrible, but uh, the risk associated with those numbers uh, at least, lower. At least you're, you know, you're seeing the curves sort of form out. And uh, as I've said on the show, I think you do have a garden variety serious recession, and we're working our way through it. Um, and the market recognizes that. And no so, reason to lose your head. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look back through time, this has happened before. So sadly, I just want to say as a value investor, every stock I'm going to talk about this week is already well off the bottoms. Um, and normally, you know... Well, I might... that's why that relative performance curve that's on the bottom of every value what? line chart can be very helpful. Now, not to me, Vern. I'm talking about something else. I'm just saying I'm not I'm these stocks oh. have already doubled in a very short time. Maybe I should have said it oh, that way. Okay. And so normally I might wait for a pullback, what have you, look get to cheaper. But what this is telling me is these stocks got so cheap on the fear that debt wouldn't be refinanced or they wouldn't make an interest payment. And the fear is still just lifting. I don't think we've gotten to the point where it's stocks gone. that might earn higher uh, earnings in the future are being fully rewarded with multiples. So we're still just recovering from fear, and so I do think there's some upside left. This week was uh, recreation. I took a couple names out of there. That's a nice theme in terms of, you know, generally, again, away from the recession, growing wealth around the world, recreation gains share of the clock. There's some nice stocks in there. And I took one from advertising this week, We're and content, CBS. First up, Mattel. Uh, page 2314, and I do give the page numbers uh, week after week 
on the show. That's why there are more gold stars uh, next to your name than mine. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. M-A-T, uh, what do I like about Mattel? Well, does that explain the embargo on the record what? of my stock ideas on the website? There's no embargo. They're not there, are they? Put them up whenever you want, my friend. <laughs> you know? Mattel, M-A-T. Here's my theme. Growing wealth in the world and a growing share of wealth is spent on toys. So that may seem a little simplistic, but I think that's true. And also they have a lot of brands, um, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. Some advertising friends of mine say that it costs a billion dollars in sort of present value, a $100 million expense a year to create a brand that everyone in the world knows, and they've they've done it. They've got uh, Barbie, uh, Hot Wheels, you know, Fisher Price is their brand, the C&SA, Power Wheels, I guess. They own American Girl, um, and, uh, you know, these are worldwide brands that uh, sell pretty well uh, year in and year out, except in recessions. So sales are down, business is down, the stock is down from a high of, let's say, 30 uh, in a peak in 07, down at 17. And I still think at um, eight times EBITDA, which I might say is a 12% cash-on-cash yield, that's a pretty good deal. You're going to get about... Four that's on a depressed number, right? It's on a depressed number. You probably get 4 or 5% growth in earnings over time, and that may be conservative. And so you're looking at a you know upper teens, low 20% return on your investment. They pay out a 4% yield. And you get that cash in the back right now. They may get some help next year from raw material declines. Uh, I do think we're going to see a recovery, obviously, in the economies to where people will, you know, again, be spending money on toys. Uh, They have had a sluggish top line over the years, so you might have to look at this a little bit like a utility, like a toy utility, like people who spend money on toys. Mattel just gets their share of that. Um, And uh, we did have a few insider buys last yeah, a couple of years ago. I have owned this in the past. I don't own it now. Um, you know, had I been paying attention, maybe I should have bought it at, uh, looks like he could have paid 10 for this in January. The old high is 30. I think you get back to that over a couple of years if we get a decent economy. Um, and uh, it's safe. I think they're going to pick up maybe 20 cents a share in earnings. They've got some cost-cutting efforts that Value Line talks about. And the other big news with Mattel is that uh, they had this big battle on the mar- you know in the marketplace with the Bratz dolls, and they won this big suit against the Bratz dolls, so that it was found that the guy that drew Bratz was working at Mattel at the time he drew the Bratz dolls. So I don't, you know, it doesn't say that here. I don't read about it. I don't know Barbie what's going victorious. on with it. So, but so is Barbie going to get more shelf space? Is Mattel going to? continue to build the Bratz brand, but now they own it? I don't know. It's not in the well, news. Well, that couldn't happen. So anyway, Mattel, M-A-T. Uh, next up, Polaris Industries, P-I-I. I do own this, page 2315. My theme with Polaris is, uh, if you don't know Polaris, they make ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, maybe that's some type of jet ski, and motorcycles. Uh, I think they have a Pretty cool brand. I can't. Oh, Victory. Victory. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they've got this outdoorsy product mix and all that. And they managed to come out a few years ago with an ATV that just really they designed to beat the competition from the ground up, designed it in, and they and it worked. And uh, they gained a ton of share. And they emerged as a leader in this 
what's called side-by-side ATV market, which to me just looks like kind of a utility vehicle. And uh, they've been, you know, electric primarily, but they just introduced, uh, or maybe I have this in reverse, they They were gas. They've been internal combustion primarily. And they've just introduced an electric one. Um, The company, if you talk to them on the road and you see them out there, you know, they're kind of hinting that they've got something kind of interesting going on with distribution for that vehicle. We have talked on the show about this Indian uh, Tata machine for a couple thousand dollars in India for poor people to have a car where there's, you know, much uh, less rigorous emission standards. But in an enclosed community, you don't need something that's actually a car. No, no, you right. You just need a big, comfortable yeah, golf cart. It's exactly, and so which this is why they're getting into this. It, could right? have a market here in America, but I think they've got something bigger up their sleeve. And meantime, this company has a long-term history of great returns in the twenties and thirties on capital. They lever it a little bit. They're in the mid, upper. You know, I mean, they, they put up a a sixty percent return on equity a couple Maybe years. Maybe they ago. got somebody in the Far East that's going to build them. Well, that's I'm thinking we and they bring them in by the container full. We yeah, I, I mean, we've talked to management. They're hinting at something interesting. Whether they're going to sign a big branding, you know, I'd love to see the Range Rover name on their little vehicle running around the streets of uh, India. I mean, who, who knows? There's something going on here, and the numbers are great right now. So uh, I'm kind of interested in this. The valuation, again, this stock, I've owned it. Uh, you could have bought it at 14 uh, in, you know, again, February. So maybe, you know, maybe I talked about it then. I don't really remember. 4% yield here. And uh, it's trading at a discount PE, the enterprise value to EBITDA, eight times. So I'm going to look at that at like a 12.5% cash-on-cash return. I think their growth rate here is going to be way higher than Value Lines estimating at 2%. The snowmobile piece of their business is small now. Uh, I think, the, if not the majority, you know, a, a big piece, maybe 40%, is ATVs. Their motorcycle business is gaining share. It's not meaningful yet, but it could be over time. Um, but it's a good, stable business that's going to benefit, in any case, from a consumer recovery. But I think the secret sauce in here could be this emerging electric vehicle, just what you said, Vern, you know, use in gated communities, but also in the uh, growing potential marketplaces uh, internationally. And then finally, this week, uh, CBS. I agree with that. Really? Oh, caught that, did you? Thanks, Vern. Uh, are you, is something going on with you this week, Vern? No. Was I, was I a little uh, harsh earlier Seem a little sad now. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that CBS is a very interesting situation. The market took them for near dead again in this terrible, evil period in what March or what have you. Stock got down to three. I may have talked about it before. This is CBS. They run a network. They've got 23 stations. They run uh, Showtime. They own... Uh, you know, an outdoor billboard company that I think of as little monopolies. They've got a radio business that supplies streaming audio to AOL and people like that. These guys are in business. Their margins over the last couple years went from the mid-20s and even in these worst of years got to 13%, and that's because the advertising piece of their business went away. It's pretty good money. Yeah, it's still good money. They have a lot of shows, uh, content. I can't name them, but, you know, I think they're the number one network. So they're selling content. They're selling it outside of, 
you know, network television. They also are distributors of content. And they're one of the few companies that seems to have figured out how to make money on the Internet. So TV.com they own, um, obviously CBS.com, a couple of other properties where people are tuning in to watch clips of their favorite shows, and they get caught up in this. At this price, um, you know, the company reflects that the, com- that C- or the market's reflecting that CBS did refinance some debt that was coming due. But their equity valuation is six point one million. Their total debt is seven or billion rather, six billion. Their total debt is seven billion. So, you know, that's fifty percent. But I just saw a bunch of banks that are levered, you know, thirty to one and twenty five to one raise capital uh, and they're all commodities. These guys have proprietary distribution, they have proprietary content, and I think that if it came down to it, uh, if the banks won't refinance or they can't put that together, they'd sell equity and you'd get diluted a little bit. Right now, the company trades at four times peak earnings of 07, which I see no reason they can't get back to. On an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, I haven't done that calculation, but it looks like, let's say, call that a billion five, so it's about nine times. That's an 11% cash on cash. They do have this debt issue, but they seem to be working through it. And, uh, what else? Uh, I guess, uh, you know, I think they're going to continue to gain share of content on the Internet. That's working. Cheap price. You get a recovery in margin. And uh, there you go. CBS. What can I tell you? Eight times. Eight I'd times. buy it. I'd buy it. All right. Well, with uh, a, a lot of ado this week, Oh, Vern, how nice. I'm going to introduce Vern Value. Vern, take it away. Mm. Thank you. Did you give the page number on that last one? That was 2321. Thanks, Vern, for Good. pointing that out. Okay. I'm not going to be providing the page numbers on mine today uh, because that would require just a little bit more work than I'm willing to do for this show every week. But, um, um, you know, I think Vern mentioned we're – Vern. I think Val mentioned that we're a little time-pressed this week, so – we're doing the best we can. You seem a little sleepy, Vern. I am a little sleepy. It's, yeah. it's very, very late. Have you not been uh, getting the right amount of sleep? Well, this, and as you, you know, as you mentioned, we've had a refreshment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to, you know, keep a sharp focus on bringing quality value ideas to our audience. Okay. Get after it, then. Okay. I can't wait. I'm on baited. With so, baited uh, first, <laughs> first name is... Uh, First name is a stock that we've talked about uh, a couple rotations ago um, that, like almost everything, is up off of uh, earlier lows. But uh, I think is something that I really want to put away. I think you could be talking about something that uh, dramatically changes in scale over the next, uh, say, three to five years. Um and uh, that is Marvel Entertainment. I'm sorry. The symbol is MVL. And uh, what I love here is that I have a business that has been anywhere from 200 to 500 million in annual revenue, primarily based on licensing and the best years within that, driven by the Spider Man franchise. Um, you know, there's been three. Uh, you know, hugely successful movies there. They also, according to Value Line's descript, uh, description, own the X-Men franchise, so they would have been getting licensing revenues as those came out. And so it's 
hard to know, you know, what movie came out in what years. I look backwards, but I see that in really, you know, in crummy years, I have 200 million in revenue and in great years, I have 500. And right now, uh, I'm looking at 676 million of revenue last year going to 480. I mean, just getting crushed, but projected to go back to 625. Now, I'm quite, not quite sure where that nearly 150 million of incremental revenue comes from because they talk about, the value line analyst talks about the schedule of various movies that are coming out soon and um, talks about how Iron Man's release date has been, uh, um, what? Moved? They, no, they, Iron Man is still projected to happen in 2010, I'm sorry, but Thor, which was going to also come out next summer, has been pushed out a year. Hmm. So they cut their top and bottom line estimates by $25 million and $0.25 cents a share. So it basically says that, the, that you know, having a movie in a given year is not that big a deal. But having more than one successful movie in any given year could make the difference between 200 and $500 million from a licensing revenue standpoint, which is going to be, you know, not just the you know, the ability to create the movie, but then fees, you know, a, a cut uh, that's earned on all of the merchandise that then de- yeah. you know, evolves from the movie. You know, to me, the risk there is that they don't, that Thor doesn't fly. You know? uh, well, it's coming out in June 2011. They're also apparently then planning the first Avenger Captain America in July 2011. That means that they've decided to pair the releases so that they can jointly, you know, market them as a one-two punch. So it's going to be a must-see because there, I bet you that there's going to be interplay between the two movies, and people they'll, they'll attract people to see one or the other. You may not be interested. Like in the one. two superheroes, like helping each other out. That yeah, sort maybe of thing. something like maybe that. Maybe there's a lesson but, there for us. Well, then. why would you? <laughs> why would they come out in June and July of 2011 if not specifically so that you could put them together? Then the Avengers, which was going to come out in July 2011, gets pushed a year to 2012. Now, the Avengers, of course, this is a concept that Maybe the actors were only available at that time. Perhaps. That would unite all of these superheroes in, you know, one crime or disaster fighting unit combined with Iron Man, where the... uh, uh, the release is, you know, which is coming out next year, the sequel. Do those superheroes have a club? Like the DC heroes have the Justice League. Yeah, they're called the yeah. Avengers. Oh, the and Avengers. that's the oh, that's coming out club. in 2011. Right. Wow. So, um, who's, in, who's in it? Who, who are in these? I'm who not are sure the who are playing the individual Who pe- are the Avengers? Who, you got Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, um, and there's, I think, two others. What and about, one uh, of them is really hmm. bizarre. Yeah. Um, Plastic Man. One of them might be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be Plastic Man. <laughs> I did not know the Marvel. The Flash. No, Is that's it? DC. Wouldn't be the Flash. No, they don't have the him. Okay. He's not on their team. He's on our team. Mm. The Green Lantern. Again. Again. Justice League. Okay, still Sorry. Justice League. All right. Well, anyway... Here, finally, the, the change, the game changer here is that they're going to make the movies themselves. So if they have a huge success, uh, as Iron Man was and The Incredible Hulk was on the back of international distribution. Um, and so, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, what if the movie's not a success? But 
So far, they've done Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and there have been three X-Men and three Iron, uh, three uh, Spider-Man movies. They've all been phenomenally successful. True. Okay. I'll give so, that. I, you know, subsequent, you're going to see, I mean, eventually, maybe it's not DVD, uh, but there will be secondary markets where you'll sell the well, movies. Then video games are going to get oh, off of There will be action figures. Good grief. This is going to help Mattel or Hasbro, Hasbro whoever bro. has this. I, you know, if it's not Mattel, then take a look at Hasbro. Hasbro and so is cheaper. It's a company where, you know, the, the Value Line's talking about, you know, maybe they get to a billion in revenue in five years. Well, I, I mean, up from 676 in 2008 when they had one big movie came out. Iron Man? I uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe That's uh, so compelling. <coughs> the last X-Man movie might have come out, too. You make a powerful and compelling argument. Anyway, you got to take a look at this. $39 recently. Do an enterprise value to uh, EBITDA calculation. Well, on this one year, 2009, when Value Line says they're only going to have $250 million of EBITDA, that's like a 12 multiple. But last year or next year, let's take next year's number. It's the lower of the two, three hundred twenty-five million. It's a nine and a half multiple. So you really got to dig into the MVL story. But I think their longer-term projections for earnings and cash flow can be beat because of the synergies, the synergy potential of having all these characters in the marketplace at one time. That's still your first stock. Yes, it is. Wow. It's. It's the best. This of would the be a three, bad time think, to mention a, an email I got, probably. But a listener wrote in and said he liked the show, which I don't know if he's going to like tonight's show. I'm not <clears> sure <throat> I like it. But um, he wondered how we select these stocks for the show. Thought it was a very, very good question. So I, so you just selected one, and maybe you could help that listener. Or why are you selecting this one? Just. Very, I don't know that we've ever uh, talked about that on the show. No, I don't think we have. Uh, and it's a combination of uh, um, uh, statistical valuation and... Dart throwing? Uh, or, I'm sorry. Well, well no, that, of, course there's some, your... of course there's some dart throwing involved. But, um, and mm-hmm. a, what, a strategic appreciation Well, alphabetization, of course. In well, that case. can be useful, I guess. Uh, anyway... Maybe we should do a show on that. Yeah, maybe we should when we're not talking about my stocks with only uh, about four minutes to go. That's a good idea. Okay. Um, And so uh, elsewhere in this week's issue, I had a lot of trouble with uh, um, a lot of the industries and how much the stocks have moved, frankly. You know, there's – and I can't get into the fundamentals of the hotel and gaming industry – when we don't know how bad unemployment's going to go, for example, um, and when there's going to be credit available for those kinds of businesses. But uh, I found, you know, a lot of low multiples in oil field services equipment. Um, I think pretty well understood that there's a lot of capacity in the pipeline for particularly uh, drilling services. It's not a problem of demand for energy, although it's down this year because of the worldwide recession, but more that, you know, in anticipation of, Fast global growth, there's too much supply coming on. So Baker Hughes is about 7.4 times on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis. They have uh, very little debt on the balance sheet, so they, as Value Line points out, they could use acquisitions if they wanted to. The, this company makes all of the uh, consumables that you need to operate in the oil patch. So 
They're less sensitive to regularization rates, which are a function of how much capacity is coming into the market, and then the daily rig rates, uh, and more just the absolute level of production. So this stock's been, you know, crushed like all everything else. Earnings forecast to go from 530 to a buck 85, in other words, down 65 percent. But Value Line's talking about things stabilizing, and here's an opportunity to buy, you know, one of those great names and. You know, one of the leading uh, competitive players in uh, in a very important industry, especially going forward. Um, so take a look at BHI, which normally doesn't get this cheap. And the other one is uh, a name, Rowan Companies, RDC, that I've talked about before. And what I think here, though, is uh, you get the cheap multiples of an oil field company, which uh, 66% of this business, two-thirds of this business is uh, drilling services, Okay. Um, but you get a very interesting play on improving credit market conditions. The other third, which is a manufacturing business that Rowan very publicly intended to sell and ran a very public process last year and then ultimately pulled from the market, just like some other big companies pulled stuff off the market because no one could afford to buy it or get the money to buy it with. And so if that's going to come back, I don't really don't have enough time to go through all the math here, but Basically, if you take a look at the enterprise value here at $2.65 billion and uh, calculate what share of that would come from the manufacturing business, think about what kind of multiples you would get for that. I would say six to eight times EBITDA. And uh, you're probably talking about $1.7 billion of proceeds, which I can then take off of the market cap that it has today. And then whatever is remaining divided by the shares, I mean, I, I can see what kind of uh, multiple of EBITDA I'm getting the, uh, the rest of the business for. And I can get the drilling business here for three to four times EBITDA, assuming a reasonable multiple for the other business, which now that they're not running a public process, you won't know is about to happen. And so uh, there's still an op there's a discount, obviously, uh, to the idea that they're going to sell it or to estimates for proceeds. You can take advantage of that when it closes, plus whatever kind of premium you might get for a premier name in, I think uh, it says mining and forestry equipment. So take a look at Rowan RDC. That's a little complicated, but I think it has a lot of unlocked value in it. I've got a reasonable multiple on Baker Hughes, but I got to tell you, I really like the fundamentals of Marvel. Might be a little early there. I'm going Which with Rowan. Do you like? Oh, my God, Rowan. Okay, I like uh, CBS... Ticker CBS. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.